Our scripture reading this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 17. Recall that the prophet Isaiah prophesied to the nation of Judah concerning her captivity and her being taken away from the promised land and brought into Babylon. And it's that history that stands behind this passage and the words of our text. Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 17. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught and in vain, yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him, Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful, and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages, that thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, 
for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste, thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. As far as we read the word of God, may God bless unto us the reading of his word. The text to which we now direct our attention is verse 16 of this chapter. This word of God. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. The words of our text, beloved, provided comfort for Old Testament Zion that is, for the Old Testament church and people of God. God had spoken these words to them because God knew they needed these words of comfort. And they needed these words of comfort because the prophet Isaiah had spoken to the nation of Judah and had sharply rebuked them for sin. And not only rebuking them for their sin, but also speaking to them of the judgments of God that would surely come upon them for their sin. Namely, the judgment of the Babylonian captivity. And many in Judah, many in Old Testament Zion namely the faithful remnant, were troubled by these things. That's evident from verse 14 in the context here. Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. That's how it seemed to them. The judgments of God that were to come upon them led them to cry out as though there was no hope anymore for them. What will become of us? What will become of our children? And what will become of the church of God? And so it was to them that the Lord brought these reassuring words that they were engraved on the palms of the hands of Almighty God. And not only did God speak these words to them for their comfort, but God saw to it that they were actually comforted 
by these words. You see that in verse 13. The Lord hath comforted his people. He makes comfort a reality for his church. And this too then, beloved, is the word of God to New Testament Zion. To the church of God today to all who are his in this congregation of the people of God. The Church of Christ always needs to be comforted. The church that is opposed in this world, the church that is troubled within, the church where there is peace and unity that is disrupted in Zion, and the church which experiences and feels at times the judgments of God upon it, God's chastisement. The church also that has members who carry many burdens and who face many disappointments in life. The church in which to the members it seems that many things are simply wrong and detrimental to them. And the church that feels as Old Testament Zion did at times, the Lord hath forsaken us and our God has forgotten us. God speaks to his church and God says to us, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. And God speaks these words in order to comfort us, not only, but God speaks these words actually to comfort his church by his word and by his spirit. Let us then consider this word of God. Our theme as we do so is Zion engraved on Jehovah's hand. And we'll notice three things concerning that. Surely remembered, carefully protected, and greatly comforted. Zion is engraved upon the palms of the hands of Jehovah. And you understand, of course, beloved, that the text is speaking there in figurative language. And what the text is describing by this figure, this picture of being engraved on the hands of God, is clear from the previous verse as well as from the figure itself, namely that Zion is always remembered by God. 
always remembered. If you plan to remember something or someone, then you will have something close by through which you will be reminded constantly of that person or that thing. The Word of God speaks of that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, for example. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. God speaking to the nation of Israel concerning His Word, concerning His law, says this, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. The word of God must never have be forgotten by the nation of Israel, and so they must have this constant reminder in front of their eyes of that law of God, written for them to see wherever they looked in their hearts. We would do the same, for example, if you want to remember a parent who has passed away, or a spouse, or a grandparent, or a boyfriend, or a girlfriend. You have a picture. You always see it. It's in a prominent place. You're constantly reminded of that person. The text is telling us God has that of His church. Not a picture but the name of his church. That name is very close to God. That name is on the palms of the hands of God, the name of the church, the name of that and those who are the bride and the body of Jesus Christ, the church and all her members. And with that name, written on the palms of the hands of God, then God is constantly reminded of His church. The church is never overlooked by Him. The church is never forgotten by Him. And the church is never forsaken by Him. And that, of course, is reinforced in our text by where... God has put this reminder. God has engraved us on the palms of His hands. He has not put our name in a place where He can lose sight of it. It's not written in a book or on a piece of paper, but it is on the hands of God. It is placed in a very prominent place, a place that God constantly sees. 
And these names are written, you'll notice, on the palms, plural, of God's hands. On both of them. Of course, remembering this is a figure, but nevertheless pointing out to us that if the names of the church and of the people of God are on both the hands of God, then that is a double assurance to us that God never forgets His church. There's not a moment that we are out of His mind. There is not a day, there is not an hour, there is not a minute, there is not a second when God does not remember His church. And we, to take this figure a little further, could even say this, our names being engraved on the palms of God's hands are in effect, part of God. He has made them part of himself. And that certainly shows how impossible it is for God to forget his church. In order for God to forget us, God would have to forget himself. That's impossible. But notice, beloved, a few things that are implied or a few things that are taught by this figure of being engraved on the palms of the hands of God. First of all, The fact that we are engraved on the palms of God's hands means that we are precious to Him. Precious to Him. If you have something valuable, maybe it's a gem, a diamond, where do you put it if you want to keep it safe? You don't simply put it on a shelf. You don't put it in your back pocket but you hold it safely in your hand where you can clasp it and you will not lose it. There it is safe. And so the fact that God has engraved us on the palms of His hands, according to this figure, means that we are precious to God. We are valuable to God. We are the objects of His love. We are his precious children in Christ, his beloved in Christ. And so he places us in and he keeps us in the most safe possible place. Never out of sight and never out of mind. We are in the hands of Jehovah, our covenant God. We are in the hands of our Father and our friend, protected by the mighty hand of God. And then secondly, we are that we are engraved 
Notice that engraved points to something that is permanent. Our names are not simply written in pencil that can be erased or in ink that can fade. Our names are not written either in paint or with raised letters that can be worn away over time. But our name is etched into the hands of God, comparable to something being carved into a hard stone, something that cannot be changed, something that cannot be lost, something that cannot fade, something that cannot wear away over time, something that is permanent. And that tells you and me, beloved, when, when you were engraved in the hand of God. When? In eternity. In eternity. The text itself even confirms that. You'll notice God says to us, Behold, I have graven thee. Something that God did in the past. God is not saying to Zion, I just did this. He's not saying to Zion, I will do this. He is saying to Zion, I did this way, way back in eternity. That's when I engraved you in the palms of my hand. I did that in the decree of election. And so God has seen us as His from eternity. He sees His church and His people, His elect, His chosen ones as eternally precious to Him. Eternally His in Christ. Eternally the bride and the body of Christ. And that also indicates, therefore, of course, what exactly God sees when God sees our names in the palms of His hands. He does not see His people and does not see our names in His hand as a reminder to Him of what we are in ourselves, a sinful people. He does not see our names as a reminder to Him that we are a gathering of depraved evildoers, who are ugly because of sin. When he sees our names, that's not a reminder to him that we are those who deserve to be forsaken by God and punished by Him forever and forever in hell. When he sees our name. He sees Zion as she is in Christ. 
chosen in him, redeemed by him, justified in his blood, and sanctified by his spirit. Our name reminds him that we are, because of Christ, a beautiful people, cleansed from sin and conformed to the image of his Son. Our name is a reminder to him that we are a holy church, saints. That just as Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, is perfect and holy and beautiful in the sight of God, so also is his bride, Zion, the church. And God says in the very first word of our text, Behold, behold, take a look. It's as though God holds up his hands to us and says to us, I want you to see and I want you to know what I see and what I never forget. Your names are on my hands. And because your names are on my hands, you are my beloved, you are valuable, and you are precious to me. You are beautiful and glorious and holy and perfect in my eyes through Christ my Son. And I will never forget you. I will never forget you. A mother might forget her child. Verse 15. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? And we would say ordinarily to that, no, she cannot. How can a mother do that? It would be very rare and it would be very strange for a mother to do that. And yet, it can happen. It can happen. But God says, in contrast to that, It will never happen for me. I can never forget my church. Never. And I will never forget you because you are engraved on the palms of my hands. Behold. Take a look and know what God sees constantly, and what is always before his eyes and before his mind. But Zion, the church and the people of God in this world, is not only remembered by God, but is also protected by God. 
Notice that in our text as well. The text says, Thy walls are continually before me. And as we think of Old Testament Zion, the city of Jerusalem, and the walls that surrounded that city, then we understand that the reference to the walls of Zion are a reference to the church's protection. And what God says to us in this word is, Your walls are continually before me. That is, your walls, which represent your protection as the church, is something that is always on my mind. And so God not only remembers His church in this world, God also protects her. And that's something that the Church of Christ certainly needs. There are many dangers that threaten to destroy the church and threaten to destroy the members of the Church of Christ. There are threats to the church itself, the threat of worldliness, the threat of members who sin against each other and can through their sins against each other devour and destroy each other. There is the threat of false doctrine and the threat of doctrinal indifference in the church. The threat of the church losing her first love. There's the threat of the church becoming weak because the families have become weak in the church, and the parents are not teaching their children, and the generation arises that does not know God and does not know the works of God. There are also the threats that believers, the members of the church of Christ face. Temptation. The devil. The world and our own flesh, and the trials and distresses of our earthly pilgrimage, those that are unique to you or unique to your family or unique to this congregation. The test of faith the temptation to despair, the inclination to doubt the goodness of God and to question God. The church needs protection. And God assures us in this text that He protects His vulnerable and His storm-tossed church in this world, protects his faithful here and protects his faithful wherever they are in the world. Protects those who cannot protect or defend themselves. They are safe in God's hand. 
And there is no safer place to be. God protects Zion, the church of the elect. And that being the case, that God protects Zion, God protects the elect, we do well, beloved, to understand that God's concern is not, first of all, a specific congregation, nor is God's concern, first of all, to protect a certain denomination of churches. But God is protecting the elect. God is protecting the elect in every land and nation and tribe and tongue under heaven. And therefore, the concern of God is not simply the Protestant Reformed churches or their sister churches in this world, we're only a very small part of the body of Christ. But God does protect our churches, and we're very thankful for that. And we have seen that. And we have experienced that. He is faithful, protecting us because we are part, as members of Christ, part of the universal church of Christ that is the object of the love of God and that he has determined to protect. And as regards that protection, it is a most blessed protection because God protects his church with regard to what matters most for the church and for the members of the church and body of Christ. And that's not the church's size. That's not the church's success. That's not the church's wealth. That's not the church's fame. That's not the church's happiness. but the church's salvation. The purpose of God's walls of protection for His church is to save that church and to keep that church saved. When God remembers someone... God remembers that person and that church in his love. When God remembers someone in his love, God saves. God saves. For God to remember you is for God to save you. So God will protect you by remembering to provide the gospel for your salvation and for your comfort as his church here. And God will protect you by sending the Spirit into Zion 
and into your hearts. The Spirit to humble you and me as sinners. The Spirit to bring us to repentance and turning from sin. The Spirit to bring us to Christ for forgiveness. God will protect you by giving you the forgiveness of your sins. And God will protect you by giving to you to know and to believe and to be assured of the righteousness of Christ as your righteousness by faith clothing you in Him so that you are beautiful and glorious in the eyes of God. And for God to protect you means that God will prepare you for glory. And everything in history and everything in your life will be directed by Him to do that. God remembers to protect. God saves. God saves. And that, beloved, is something that is very sure because of where our names are written. Our names are written, God tells us, on the palms of the hands of God. God uses His hands, as we all do, to do His work. God uses His hands to carry out His purposes. God uses His hands to carry out His counsel, His will. God uses His hand to make things happen. That is, God uses His hands to make everything happen. Everything. And when God does that, when God uses His hands to carry out His work, whatever that work is, according to His eternal counsel, God sees your names on His hands as He does His work. And therefore, He has you in mind in everything that He does. He cannot do anything apart from doing it in remembrance of His church and doing it, therefore, for the sake of His church. As soon as He does something, He sees your day. And therefore, He does it for you, for your good. Your names are in full view, always, so that God carefully does everything for your salvation in Christ. That's true of everything that God has recently done and sent, including trials and fires and dark valleys. That's also true of what God is doing now in His church and in your life. You are being protected. You are being saved by God. By God. By Jehovah, your faithful father and friend, and no one 
and nothing can ruin or destroy or undo that good, good work of God. The church and you as members are safe. And therefore, there is comfort for Zion. Zion needs that comfort. And Zion needs that comfort because often verse 14 seems true for us just as it did for the Old Testament church and people of God. We are tempted to say, the Lord has forsaken me and my God has forgotten me. We are tempted to say, where is our God at such a time as this or that? He seems far away. He seems to have deserted us. We have been through deep and dark waters and fires, and it has often seemed that we were alone in them. And it may even seem to us that God has done the unthinkable, that He has done what ordinarily a mother never does, never forgetting her child. And so the church sees and the church experiences and the people of God see and the people of God experience many troubles and are inclined to say sometimes, as Judah said, the Lord has forsaken us and our God has forgotten us. And therefore, Jehovah speaks. He speaks words that provide great comfort for his church. And he speaks words that, as verse 13 points out, actually comfort us. The Lord hath comforted his people. And the comfort for Zion is not that we won't face and experience troubles. The comfort for Zion is not that everything will always go well for us and always go well for the church. The comfort is not that our church or churches will eventually be perfect and trouble-free. But this is our comfort. We are engraved on the palms of God's hand. And being engraved on the palms of the hands of God, we are always remembered and we are always protected by God because we are precious to Him in Christ. And He does all His work with us, His precious church in mind for our good. 
Our comfort is that he is the God who is merciful. The Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. The comfort is that God is indeed building and saving his church. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. And if it is God, Jehovah, who remembers his church, then who can hurt or harm or destroy her? If it is God, Jehovah, who protects his church, then who can pluck her out of his hands where we are in grave? If God is the God who is for his church, who can be against her? No matter what happens, all is well for the church of Christ. She will be safe and she will be saved by Jehovah God. And so may we believe this truth, beloved. Believe it because this is the word of your God. Believe it and be comforted by Jehovah. Amen. Our God and Father in heaven, we thank Thee that Thou art ever faithful to us. We thank Thee for Thy Word. Use it to comfort our souls, assure us of Thy love and care and protection, and bless it to our hearts that we may rejoice in Thee, our God, and Thy gracious glorious, mighty work in thy church and in all things for the sake of thy people. In Jesus' name, amen.